The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is helping nothing. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. We would be honored if you would join us. Recording in the BTG Studios in Rochester, New York. It's Beyond the Game. Now here's your host, Benson. And those guys. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Glad to have you on board. For the next little while that we're together, it'll be our intention to not glorify sports, but instead use sports to glorify God. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, or you can give them a call at 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Benson. They're well, there are those guys, Zach Barletta, Darren Metzger joining me. You can interact with the program on Twitter at BTG Program or by visiting our website, btgprogram.com. This past weekend, the Wisconsin Badgers lost to Northwestern 13 to 7. Leading up to the game, about seven inches of snow fell in Madison, creating extra work for stadium crews just to be able to get the game in. However, because of the timing of the snowfall, They weren't able to clear all the snow from the seating area before kickoff time, and this created a problem for the cheerleading squad. Oh, no. Of the home team. Of the home team. (laughs) Students from the Wisconsin's own student section not only engaged in snowball fighting amongst themselves in the stands, but they began raining snowballs down on their own Wisconsin (laughs) cheerleaders. I love this. In fact, so much so that the cheerleaders were forced to leave their usual spot in front of the student section. They took coverage in a nearby stadium tunnel before returning to a different part of the field for the remainder of the game. Were they just bad? Like, why are you throwing snowballs at cheerleaders? Snowballs were also thrown at the officials after the game, but it should be noted that this is after three Wisconsin touchdowns were overturned by officials. Oh, they deserved it. Well, that one makes sense. Yeah, they deserve that. According to the police, 110 fans were ejected, including 50 for throwing snow or ice. So what are the other 60 ejected for? <laughs> this resulted in 25 calls for first aid, including for a number of people who <laughs> suffered bloody noses or other injuries after oh being gosh. hit by snowballs. This sounds like a party. Well, you get packing those things in. It's ice balls that are thrown around. Former Wisconsin football coach, current AD Barry Alvarez, wasn't amused with what took place. On Monday, he released an open letter to Wisconsin fans. While he praised fans for coming out in the snow and supporting the Badgers, he scolded the small minority that participated in the snowball incident, saying it's never acceptable to throw anything from the stands onto the playing surface or at another person. I mean, good night at your own cheerleaders. Let's be honest. We've all wanted to hit a cheerleader with something before. It sounds like maybe the 60 that weren't throwing snowballs were throwing, like, batteries or bricks or something. That's terrible. Early on Monday night's Patriots-Bills game, New England quarterback Tom Brady called an audible, and unlike Peyton Manning's famous Omaha, Brady and the Pats opted to use opposing Bills head coach Rex Ryan. That was it. He just called Rex Ryan as an audible. Hashtag troll so hard. The Bills' Twitter account responded shortly after with, we're flattered. 
I don't know. What was that? Gamesmanship? It's, it's a, ter- a, it's a terrible a- response on Twitter. Terrible. Yeah, their troll game is not great. I actually, as much as I despise them and Tom Brady, that was great. I laughed so hard when they did that. Well, was, was, great. was that humor? Were they just trying to get under Rex's skin? I think so. I mean, they've proven and They that, did it right away, too. Yeah, they've proved. I mean, Rex Ryan has shown he's pretty obsessed with the Patriots, so that seems like a good way to rile him up a little bit. Got me kind of wondering, how long do you think it'll be before they start using that as a sponsorship opportunity? I mean, for $50,000... The home team quarterback will use your company's name as an audible three times. Gatorade, 20 right. Yeah, like maybe like right before a movie is supposed to be released. Star Wars, 52, <laughs> Star Wars, hike. Shop at Macy's, hike. <laughs> hey, they were saying Galaxy for some other other plays. I mean, that's maybe that's Star Wars. I wonder how much it would cost us to get him to use Beyond the Game. Next week, they'll be like, Galaxy, far, far away, 20 right, blue or whatever. How, how awesome would that be? Beyond the game, btgprogram.com, at btgprogramhike. <laughs> Find us on Instagram. Washington Redskins defensive end Jason Hatcher thinks that referees are discriminating against them because of the name of their team. Hatcher had this to say after last week's loss to the Panthers. You know, I'm not saying they're not a character to get fined, but it is what it is. I don't know if it's about the name or what, but, you know, at the same time, we, we, we play. We play football, too. We work our butt off, too. You know, don't, 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 don't single us out. At the end of the day, it's, it's the name. Don't worry about the name. We we players and we, we we work our butt off too. So I'm I'm just I'm just frustrated with it. You know I'm frustrated with it. We we shouldn't have to be punished for that. You know it's been every game. You know just calls after calls. You know should have been made in our favor, but they go to them. You know and it's just it's just not right. We 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 in the league too. We are national football players. We we got a team too. We go out there and we 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 sweat and we and we work hard too. I don't give a crap about the name. We are players, and we got feelings too, and we want to win too. My man, it was forty-four to sixteen. <laughs> I'm not thinking you can pin this one on the referees discriminating against you because you're from Washington. I mean, that would be the offensive thing, right? Washington, <laughs> totally. We'll never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. You know what's humorous about that clip, though. Well, one thing that's humorous. In one breath, he says, I don't know if it's about the name or what. Less than less than 10 seconds later, he says, it's the name. I mean, come on, big man. You could say it. Shout it out if that's what you feel. If it's the name, then say so. You don't have to say, I don't know if it's the name. He says, it's just not right. We're in the league, too. We're national football players. We got a team, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got uniforms and everything. You just stink. It, by the end, he starts tugging at your heartstrings. We're players. We got feelings, too, and we want to win. I mean, I'm sorry. Nobody meant to hurt your feelings, but it's not the refs, and it's not your name. I mean, you're just you, bad. You may be NFL players, but you're not a good team. <laughs> also, don't you have a choice as to who you play for? So, I mean, you can't to go put there, a 44 16 blowout on the backs of the nope. referees. Would have been cool to see Jeff Gordon go out with one more championship, but the fact that he even went into last week's final race still with a shot at the title was pretty cool, if you ask me. While he didn't win, congratulations need to go out to number 24 on a terrific career, what has been arguably maybe one of the greatest NASCAR careers of all time. And of course, with the conclusion of this final race, NBC's first year of covering NASCAR is over, but not without a few Tense moments for race fans as the race drew towards its finish. The championship finale, which was scheduled to start just after 3 p.m., was delayed by rain. 
As 7 p.m. approached, that created a conflict as NBC's Football Night in America was about to begin. Earlier in the day, it had been announced that if there was a conflict, the race would switch over to NBCSN, which is in, what, 27 houses across America? <laughs> I mean, this upset many race fans at, at NASCAR. Well, football's uh, an actual sport, so I understand why NBC would well, do and that. Well, that's, you know, that's what they were feeling. NASCAR would once again lose a broadcast face-off to another sport. Race fans have become accustomed to coverage of being being cut out. Just as soon as they cross the finish line, they're on to something else, or having the start of the races not being covered at all if another sport ran long. To have the sports championship race, their big deal, exempted, would be an obvious slap in the face to NASCAR faithful. However, as the 7 p.m. deadline approached, NASCAR's Vice President of Integrated Marketing Communications. What kind of title is that? I have no idea. Makes him sound really important. Vice President of Integrated Marketing Communication, David Higdon, tweeted that race coverage would continue uninterrupted on NBC's main network channel. Of course, at 7 p.m., Football Night in America was only in pregame coverage. But for NASCAR, this was a big deal. It meant that race coverage was a higher priority than something anyway, even if that something was just a pregame show. <laughs> Friend of the program, longtime NASCAR fan Elijah Burke said, it gave dedicated NASCAR fans what they deserve after an eventful nine-chase race. Look, I don't know if it's what they deserve, but good for them. No way NBC sticks with it, though, over uh, anything more than a pregame no, show. Not a shot. Yeah, but it was, a, it. It, it was a nice touch by NBC. Many race fans would tell you NBC did a good job this year with their coverage. I'm sure this brought them a little extra credibility with their faithful followers. Golden State Warriors off to an incredible. They're awesome. While it may not, they may not lost yet this season. Interim head coach Luke Walton suffered a loss after his car was stolen recently <laughs> in what was a series of crimes in a weekend long spree in Oakland's Montclair neighborhood. Walton's 2014, 2014, bro. You, Dude, you're you rich. Up, you got upgrade. <laughs> Can't drive it. Last year's model? Come on. His 2014 GL4501 was stolen from his home on November 17th, later involved in an East Oakland crash, according to police. While Watson wasn't hurt in, uh, well, Watson, what did I say? Watson. Walton. Who's Watson? I have no idea. Sherlock's assistant. Why is he in this story? This is a story about Luke Walton, for crying out loud. While Walton wasn't hurt in the theft, unfortunately not all residents, this actually gets pretty oh. serious, not all residents of this affluent neighborhood were as fortunate. The Oakland Tribune reports that one of the men arrested, 20-year-old Lamont Campbell, was involved in the carjacking of a 74-year-old woman, allegedly beating her oh, come on. and stealing her Audi A6. And I don't want to make light of it, but... The seventy-year-old woman's cruising around in her Audi A Audi A six. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Campbell has been charged with seven felonies. Meanwhile, there are also other suspects still at large. Coming up later on the program, we'll talk about Peyton Manning. Is it over in Denver? We'll also discuss last week's Ohio State loss and the reactions of Ezekiel Elliott, Cardell Jones. We'll share some thoughts on. David Ortiz announcing his retirement. Thoughts on Johnny Manziel, plus Darren has an unreasonable rant. 
I'll tell you what was the most awesome thing I saw this week, and who knows, probably some other stuff too. This week on Beyond the Game. Folks, let me talk to you for just a second. You've heard us say time and time again on this show that our title sponsor, Town & Country Pest Solutions, are the best. We'd say that even if they weren't giving us money. You know why? Because they are the best. Maybe we just wouldn't say it as often. Hey, have you seen all those stink bugs out there? Don't squish them. That's where they get their name. Are they bothering you? Call Town & Country. Are mice or other furry critters using your home as an escape for the upcoming cold? Call Town & Country. Do you have bed bugs? Do you know someone who does? Call Town & Country. Their team of extremely knowledgeable professionals will get the job done for you. They'll be in, they'll be out, and they'll inconvenience you a lot less than those pesky critters have been. Town & Country Pest Solutions guarantees their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. You know, we were talking right before the break, Luke Walton and Golden State. <laughs> I mean, what an audition for that guy, right? He's killing it, man. I mean, if if they've got a team looking for a coach, they got to be keeping their eye on I him. I think he's going to be a pretty good coach. I was watching him uh, with just a sideline timeout oh, at the Lakers-Warriors game the other day. Man, he was fitting right in, telling those guys what was up, just instructing them. And, and like such a positive. I just I really liked what Walton was doing. But. I got to say that if Steve Kerr was coaching them right now, same amount of games played, they would have won at least 25 of the 16 by now. <laughs> yeah, would have won 25 of their first 16 games. <laughs> there, I guess there is that element of it. I mean, they're the Golden State Warriors. I suppose I might be 16-0 and coaching that team. <laughs> they're they're, they're great. <laughs> I'm sad I picked against them this year. I guess the Johnny Manziel experiment, can we say it's over in Cleveland? Yes. After seeing video of Manziel partying during the bye week, Browns head coach Mike Penton called it disappointing and announced that Johnny Football is now Johnny Third String. Penton looks for any excuse he can to put this guy on the bench. Yeah, but he had said prior to the bye that Manziel would be the team's starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. He gave him an opportunity. I don't think that was him, though. Josh McCown will now start Monday against the Ravens. You talk about being handed an opportunity. And then just wasting it because of foolishness. Not because of your play on the field, because of foolishness. Can, can we agree though that if this was any other player in the league, it wouldn't be a story? Like, he, did I don't he know. really, not I, any other player, but I mean. Most. I understand that he, he, he has the, the alcohol problem and rehab and everything, and this doesn't look good, but he didn't do anything illegal. Yeah, but it's, it's a bad decision. Yes. You know, and it's a bad look for a guy that just mm-hmm. got out of rehab not too long ago. The guy has had a string of problems. Yeah. I mean, he's just another one of these guys who, who couldn't get control of themselves for, for whatever reason. You think of guys like Todd Marinovich, Ryan Leaf, Tony Mandarich, and Johnny Manziel's heading in the same way. Although while his time in Cleveland is likely run out, someone will give him another opportunity. Oh, yeah. There's not going to be that many more, though. He needs whatever opportunity comes along. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jerry Jones has been infatuated with the guy forever. I can see them giving him a shot. Him and Greg Hardy will be captains down there. Maybe that's why the Browns haven't cut him. 
because they know somebody will come oh, along yeah. with a trade offer. They'll get a draft pick out of it anyway. Well, he's never had a real sustained run as the starter to see what he could do. It's always been and he has back looked, and forth. He has looked better and better the more he's played. Manziel tried to cast doubt on the date of the video, saying they could be old. It just seems like a desperate play from somebody who needs help defend the lie to the last possible extreme. I mean, the situation is just sad for Manziel Mm -hmm. personally, of course, but it looks like now the Browns have wasted a draft pick. This after they had his back when he went through the treatment, supported him afterwards. They shielded him from media at times. They gave him plenty of opportunities to be their quarterback. Mm -hmm. Heck, they didn't even say that much or do that much back in October after that domestic incident while driving the car. And no charges were dropped. I mean, something happened there, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Cleveland is two and eight. They appear to be, appear to be giving Manziel an opportunity to see what he could do and claim the starting job going in the next season. He actually, as you say, Darren, he played pretty well, especially against yeah. the Steelers in week 10. He checked into rehab following the 2014 season, getting treatment for 10 weeks at a facility which specializes in alcohol and Substance abuse. I don't he did know that. that on his own, or mostly on his own. I'm sure people were advising that, but that's a pretty mature thing for him to do. I was disappointed to see what came out this weekend. Of course, we don't know if it's an addiction to an alcohol or some other substance, or if perhaps it's just an addiction to the lifestyle for Manziel. Pride trips up so many people, so many different ways. And of course, Manziel is such a high profile that it seems as though that desire to be a celebrity type was evident back in his college days, and probably before that, I would think. That's why so many dislike him, because of the air that he has about him, that privileged air. Mm -hmm. There's also now reports in the last couple of days that free agent safety LaRon Landry has been suspended by the NFL again. Landry, who was not on any roster, had just been reinstated after a 10-game suspension for violating the league's policy against performance-enhancing drugs. This, by the way, his second PED suspension. What are you talking about? Hey, he's an herb supplement that can be purchased at any health food store. Douglas, get off the juice. While it has not been said why he has been suspended again, one presumes it was for the same thing. I mean, unlike Manziel and Landry's case, this guy just might be addicted to being huge. Have you seen pictures of him? Yeah, he's got legs coming out of his shoulders. He looks unnaturally <laughs> large. I mean, he is he is huge. At some point, though, these guys need to get themselves the help they need. For Manziel, again, bad look. You just you went to rehab ten months ago. You got to avoid those situations. You got to be smarter than that. And while you know substance treatment is a start, it really doesn't address the underlying issue that results in the problems reoccurring. It's the sin issue that needs to be addressed. It's the spiritual help that's needed as as well. All man has a problem with pride. You guys do, I do. For some, it's a bigger problem than for others. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Sometimes a point is reached in life where, you know, you got to make a conscious decision that it's time to grow up. And while that verse stands well on its own and suggests that There comes a time to put away childish things. The context of that chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is about love. Verse 13 says that there is faith and there is hope, but the greatest 
is love. Verse 3 says you can give all you have, even your life, but there is not, if there's not love, then it, it doesn't matter. We need to get our hearts adjusted. For one thing, we need to identify that our actions hurt those around us, especially those we love and, and who love us. Our love for them ought to take the focus off ourselves. It ought to allow us to see how selfish we are and cause us to cease doing those things which hurt those we love. For another thing, we need to identify that our love for God ought to create a passion within us to want to do things which please Him, not that satisfies our own desires. And additionally, our love for others ought to cause us to live in such a way that we are a light for Jesus Christ, which draws others to Him, which brings others to the salvation in knowing that Jesus gave His life for our sins. The problem for so many athletes or otherwise is that our love is so often misplaced. Our love for our own selves is more important to us than our love of anyone else. 1 Corinthians 13.4 Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. We need to learn what love truly is, not what society tells us it is, not what the devil has taught us it is, but what God says it is. Remember what Paul says just a few chapters earlier, chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. This is verses 23 to 27. I do all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I find myself should be disqualified. Jesus Christ was so disciplined. He had so much self-control over his body that he went to the cross as a perfect and willing sacrifice to offer atonement for our sins. Athletes have such self-control over their diets, over their exercise regimens, but seemingly not over other parts of their lives. So I I think we need to conduct ourselves with a similar self-control, one which disciplines ourselves to bring in glory and honor to God. All right, let's change direction a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the NFL coaching vacancies. We were careful to say these were not predictions. These were just situations that were sort of worthy of keeping an eye on, believing that this could be a very busy offseason in the coaching carousel. you got an interim coach and Dan Campbell of the Dolphins, and Mike Patton of the Browns is what made me think of this. Uh, Bill O'Brien, Gus Bradley, Mike McCoy, Andy Reid, all I think are possible. Chip Kelly. not Chip Kelly, Jason Garrett, Tom Coughlin, you know what happens there, Jim Caldwell. Uh, Sean Pay, all these possible scenarios. Well, now with the talk of surrounding LSU and Les Miles parting ways, which me, to me makes no sense, but obviously there's more going on there that we know about. It's going to be a busy season in, in college, too. There's going to be a lot of openings, and it's going to be interesting to see who goes to the NFL or, or from the NFL. You mentioned Darren Chip Kelly. Yeah. Where might he go? But He's, LSU, going, he's got to go back to college, right? LSU leaving, well, that would be the place, wouldn't it? Yeah, he was much that would better be a there. Natural fit for Chip Kelly, but the name that keeps getting mentioned, if they part ways with Les Miles, which 
who in the world are you going to get to coach your team that's going to do a better job than Les Miles? Well, they're talking about Jimbo Fisher at FSU, which why would you leave FSU? Yeah. Hey, this is this is some of the most crazy offseason I think we're going to be looking at. Georgia may be open. I mean, Mark Rick, always the knock on Rick, always unable to win that big game. Syracuse is already open, as is USC, Maryland, Virginia Tech, Miami, South Carolina, Minnesota, Hawaii. There's a couple of huge programs. LSU and USC are probably, I mean, those are major college football openings. I mean, there's a couple of huge programs there. I know it's not a major college program, but if Hawaii's really looking for a head coach, I'll go do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll fall on that I'm grenade. Sure, I'm sure they're, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a big sacrifice you're taking there. I got, I, I got it covered. Speaking of Syracuse and falling on grenades, they Doug Marone's available. Cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just, you know, you, you were talking about Johnny Manziel and the Browns and, and Mike Patton, and, and obviously they don't. I could see know. Chip Kelly going there because they're so desperate just to be relevant. Couldn't you see them because he's probably the biggest name NFL coach? Do you think an NFL team wants Kelly? Not a single move he has made in Philadelphia has worked out. But the Browns are so stupid with some of the stuff that they've done firing a coach. I, I don't. I don't think if Chip Kelly, I think they moves, would throw. Yeah, I think they throw tons of money at him, and there's not yeah. even any good players for him to release. So yeah, I don't fit. think he goes to another NFL job. But you know what, Brian Kelly, another name that is possibly being talked about, maybe taking one of these. NFL jobs or another co- there's going to be a carousel is just mm-hmm. going to be spinning and spinning and spinning and I'm obviously being here in Western New York very interested who Syracuse gets man how awesome would it be I know it's a pipe dream it's not going to happen but how cool would it be to get a guy like Les Miles at yeah, Syracuse it's not going to happen I understand that but boy it'd be cool cool to dream about it's Christmas you can put a Christmas <laughs> wish to list together he'd be great for their recruiting right come play for less miles uh, yeah but i mean you that kind of counterbalances the it snows here all the time <laughs> i drove this past tuesday out to albany to pick my daughter up. snowing no it was sunny in rochester it was sunny in albany but man you get to syracuse it's snowing <laughs> right on up to about utica of course. it's always snowing there that's a depressing why snow. would you go there to play i don't know why they even put a university there if less miles was there I'd go there to play. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Shows brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions. Hey, it's Benson. I hope you enjoy the program. We've set out to bring you a different kind of sports talk show. We want to be entertaining, of course, but we also have a message to share, and that's the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that God is glorified through the show's mixing of sports, humor, and faith. And our goal is that the program appeals to everyone. After all, it's not a faith program with sports. It's a sports program with faith. While we do feature advertisers, the show, however, is predominantly listener-supported. And you can help by going to our website, btgprogram.com, and making a one-time donation or even becoming a recurring supporter. In fact, over the next few weeks, we're praying for 30 at 30. That's 30 people who will give $30 a month for one year. Your gift will help us reach untold thousands, many of whom may never step foot into a church. Whatever you feel comfortable doing, I want you to know that we are grateful for your prayers, and we appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening to Beyond the Game. 
Welcome back to Beyond the Game. How bad has it gotten for the Los Angeles Lakers? Very. Very one eleven seventy seven loss to Golden State Tuesday night dropped them to two and twelve. At least they're not the seventy sixers. They're not far from the seventy sixers. <laughs> but that loss to Golden State wasn't the most awesome thing I saw this week. And now it's time for the most awesome thing I saw this week. Everything is awesome. During the first quarter of that game at Oracle Arena, a fan who hit a shot during a timeout promotion, the fan is wearing a Warriors championship t-shirt. Of course, it's a Warriors home arena. Mm -hmm. You know, they do those promo, take a shot, win a million dollars, win a Dr. Pepper. I don't know what you win. (laughs) I want the Dr. Pepper. He hit the shot, was jumping around celebrating his shot, and as he's doing that, he then stared down the Lakers players who had began to come back onto the court, pointing at them, and it appears in the video that he perhaps even does the throat, the throat cutting gesture. Oh, no. oh man. I, he went for it, man. My man, your enthusiasm is awesome, even entertaining, but considering the beer gut hanging out from under your shirt as you bounced around, you may want to check yourself. You made a good shot. Good for you. But this is still. The Los Angeles Lakers, they're getting paid well to make a living making their shots, but it was the most awesome thing I saw. I mean, it was fairly humorous. He is bouncing (laughs) around just staring them down. I went to bed before halftime of that game. I kind of wish I would have stayed up for that. It's going around social media. I'm sure you'll see it. I saw a couple of awesome things, too, this week, actually, Benson. One was Rick Nash breaking his scoring drought with a hat trick against the Panthers. Yeah, he had a good week. The other was that Kevin Bacon is coming back in a Tremors TV show. Oh, more bacon. Everything is better with more bacon. But I love the Tremors films. They were great. They're fantastic. Reba McIntyre and the dad from Michael Gross, the dad from Family Tie. Epic. I hope he's in the show. It won't be the same without him. It'd be so great. Let's play shenanigans, Zach. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I'll give you the quick rules once again. Zach is going to throw out a couple of statements, and each of us will either agree with the statement or call shenanigans on it. Simple rule, only a brief explanation. Three or four sentences at most is allowed. So, Zach, give us your first statement. One of the undefeated NFL teams, the Panthers and Patriots, will finish 16-0. and shenanigans each week the pressure and the distractions increase and as we saw when the pats ran the table only to lose to the beloved new york giants in the super bowl (laughs) it might be better to get one out of the way during the regular season although i will say we're recording this before thanksgiving day the toughest test for both teams is this week if they get beyond this week there might be a good chance I'm going to also say shenanigans. The offensive line problems for the Patriots, the offensive problems in general for the Patriots are only getting worse because of injuries. They're not going to finish undefeated. And I love what Cam Newton's doing. I just don't think he can lead the team to a 16-0 and finish. I'm going to agree. Somebody has to. I think the Patriots are going to lose to Denver on Sunday. So I think, who knows, they might be 15-1. and Because if the Bills weren't going to beat them with basically no offensive starters, who's going to beat them other than Denver? But I think the Carolina Panthers can do it. I I look at the rest of their schedule. 
and I just don't see who's going to beat them. I don't see a team on their schedule that's as good as them or better than them. So I think one of them goes undefeated, and I don't think it's the Patriots. I call shenanigans on Zach breaking the rules of the game. After reports surfaced this week that Robinson Cano is unhappy in Seattle and misses New York, it's only a matter of time before he's traded back to the Yankees. What do you think, Darren? Shenanigans. Uh, he's owed too much money, money that the Yankees did not want to pay him. Seattle would have to eat a large portion of that contract. It's not happening. He's staying in Seattle. Yeah, I, I say shenanigans, too. The Yankees aren't going to take that contract. Frankly, there isn't a need to. They've got some good young talent. Cano may or may not be unhappy. That report was from a friend of his, but either way, that ship has sailed for the foreseeable future. I think we have our first unanimous shenanigans. The Yankees didn't want to give him that contract when he was a free agent. They're not going to take it and trade a prospect for him. It's not going to happen. And finally, NFL officiating isn't a big enough problem for the league to do anything about it. What do you think, Zach? I think it is a big enough problem, but I don't think they'll do anything about it. They've shown that nothing is important enough for them to act on it until it costs them money. Darren, you want to weigh in? Shenanigans once again. Uh, the evidence all this coming this past Monday with the Bills and Patriots, that was the worst officiated game I've ever seen. The NFL has to do something, and they will because they always get it right. So you're saying they will yeah, it's address a bi- it? It is a big enough deal. Zach said it's not a big enough deal. I call shenanigans it is. Yeah, I say shenanigans too. I say the officiating is among the worst that I can remember. But I think it's less the personnel and more the stupid rule modifications they have to interpret and enforce. Oh, yeah. My guess, they'll make some of the rules a bit clearer. Ohio State this week dropped five spots to number eight in the latest college football playoff rankings after their 17-14 loss to Michigan State, who happened to jump up four spots to number five. Michigan State currently on the outside looking in due to a one-point loss to Nebraska, the only blemish on a schedule that includes wins over Oregon, who was number seven at the time, as well as over number 12 Michigan, and of course last week's win over then number three Ohio State. With only a game remaining on the schedule, and that with a less than impressive Penn State, the Spartans have very little chance to influence the committee, so it would seem... They're going to need a little help to get into the playoff situation. The current playoff standings this week are Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Iowa. Michigan State, Notre Dame, Baylor, and Ohio State fill out the next four spots. I've said all along, this playoff system needs to be eight teams. While some say you'll always leave whoever that next team is thinking they belong, if you went to eight, well, number nine thinks they're going to get in. I contend that if you take the top eight, You really have everyone who has a legitimate claim to the right to play for a title. For example, after Ohio State at number eight, who really may not belong either because they've underwhelmed most of the year. But being the defending champs, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Number nine and number 10, respectively, are both nine and two Stanford and Michigan. Nice seasons, but neither one really belongs in that title hunt. Notre Dame being penalized, maybe rightfully so, for not being aligned with the conference. Those self-impressed, pompous something or others. <laughs> and if Baylor finishes out, if they if they finish out with wins over TCU and Texas, plus the Big 12 championship game, with a win over Oklahoma State, and their only loss being to Oklahoma, to keep them out for a second year in a row like that, 
would seem like an injustice, but seems like trouble at Ohio State. Both Cardell Jones and Ezekiel Elliott, after the loss to Michigan State, saying that they would not be returning to Ohio State next year. To be fair, in Elliott's case, he used today's athlete's favorite spokesman, Twitter, to apologize for his comments and say they were made in the emotion of the moment, and I'm sure that they were. Elliott expressed his disappointment after the game that he was not used more and questioned the team's play calling when not for not utilizing him more. Why, you ungrateful little twerp. <laughs> Ohio State had won like 25 straight games, including a national championship game, and after one loss, you're spouting off like a little girl who just saw her boyfriend kissing the girl next door. I mean, come on. It should be noted that prior to the game, prior to the game, Elliot had spent a few days in the hospital for a staph infection, and nobody knew if or how much he would be able to go. Urban Meyer has won a, a multiple national championships with different schools and has established himself as one of the best college co coaches in the game. What has Elliott accomplished, and where does he come off getting on Meyer? To tell you the truth, he may have been right, though, and Meyer agrees. But it's a real bad look for a kid that up to this point, as far as I know, has been a tremendous teammate, a contributor to the team, and, and as I say, he owned it. He has apologized. In fact, he clarified that Saturday's loss did not affect his decision to leave Ohio State after the season. Meyer has said he didn't necessarily have a problem with what Elliott said as much as he did with the where and how he said it. Meyer also acknowledged that Elliott had apologized to him for criticizing the coaching staff and said that he won't face any discipline as the Buckeyes prepare for today's game at Michigan. Well, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Playing number one, no, number 10 Michigan in Ann Arbor is going to be a big test, and the Buckeyes can't afford a second loss if they have any shot at all making the CFB playoffs. So, yeah, I'm not surprised Ezekiel Elliott will be playing. There were rumors after last year's national championship game that Jones may jump to the NFL after this season and that with his size and arm strength, he's probably a better fit there than in Ohio State's offense. JT Barrett made every... Every snap at quarterback in Saturday's games against the Spartans, making it the only game this season, which Jones didn't play at all, not a down. But despite that talent, Jones is very inexperienced, and he's only played a total of 23 games. He also followed up his original tweet saying he was leaving with another, asking people not to infer his future plans. So both guys sort of backpedaled a little bit. My take? Both guys were frustrated over not being utilized. They were probably, they're probably not used to losing. I wouldn't read too much into it. I don't think it will hurt their draft stock if they do decide to go pro. They've not been linked to problems in the past. Uh, I just think it was a tough loss on Saturdays. There's no reason to make this out to be anything more than it is. Frustration. I'm sure they'll both learn from it. I'm sure in all likelihood, handle things differently next time around. I think it's okay. You know, we live in a society where people really get on you if if you disagree. I think it's okay to disagree with somebody, though, so long as you do it respectfully and appropriately. And don't do it on Twitter. And don't do it on Twitter. Again, unless, you know, if it's you and I disagreeing, that's one thing. If I'm mm -hmm. just coming out and slamming somebody. But even if that person's in a position of authority, 
you, you have a right to disagree. You just can't air your grievances out publicly and openly criticize someone the way that Elliot did. But again, he, he, he apologized. He, he recognized that. And while some think they have the right to say whatever they want without regard to how it affects others, the fact is it shows immaturity. It shows selfishness. I hear people criticize their church. They criticize the ministries they're involved in. I mean, at times I've been guilty of this. But though there may be an appropriate time and place for constructive criticism, there is no place for murmuring. There is no place for complaining. You always have the option to move along if you're unhappy, as these two said they would. But when you do, do so like an adult and don't go out trashing people, you know, on your way out the door. Sometimes we don't get the answer we're looking for. And while that may be frustrating, we have to accept it. We ought not to be so focused on ourselves that we lash out against the team. On a football team, there may, there's many players to try to keep happy. Ohio State entered this season with three, three very talented quarterbacks. They weren't all going to be able to get the minutes they wanted at QB. Ezekiel Elliott says he brought his concerns to Meyer previously. Then that's where it ends. You made your case. You spoke your piece. The, def- the final decision was then in the leader's hands, and it was Elliot's place to accept it. I think that's what keeps people from, from coming to church or giving their lives to Christ. They fear that what God wants is not going to be what they want for themselves, and they're unwilling to give up that authority. We need to keep a positive perspective. When things are not going the way we want them to, to go, we didn't get enough carries in the game, when perhaps things are not getting done, the way we think they should get done. Well, we don't think a leader is doing it the way we would do it. We have to keep a positive perspective. We have to keep respectful. John Calvin once said this, For nothing is more opposed to the spiritual wisdom of God than the wisdom of the flesh, and nothing more opposed to his grace than man's natural ability. We get in the way sometimes. For many of us, when bad times come upon us, we either run to Christ or we run away from him. Believe in the promises of God when things get tough. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Don't fix your eyes on what is seen. Fix it on what is not seen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The spiritual things, that's eternal. That's what matters. It's easy to get frustrated after a tough defeat. I'm sure that was the case for these Ohio State players last weekend, but that does not make it okay to just react like a child. Be strong, keep a positive perspective, and trust that God does indeed have a plan, a plan uniquely intended for you, through which he will accomplish his good and perfect will, bringing glory to himself and blessings to you. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country, Pasadena. Folks, let me talk to you for just a second. You've heard us say time and time again on this show that our title sponsor, Town & Country Pest Solutions, are the best. We'd say that even if they weren't giving us money. You know why? Because they are the best. Maybe we just wouldn't say it as often. Hey, have you seen all those stink bugs out there? Don't squish them. That's where they get their name. Are they bothering you? 
call town and country. Are mice or other furry critters using your home as an escape for the upcoming cold? Call town and country. Do you have bed bugs? Do you know someone who does? Call town and country. Their team of extremely knowledgeable professionals will get the job done for you. They'll be in, they'll be out, and they'll inconvenience you a lot less than those pesky critters have been. Town and Country Pest Solutions guarantees their work. Call Town and Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Seemed a bit odd this past Sunday not having Peyton Manning in the backfield for the Broncos, don't you think? Yeah, it was weird. Brock Osweiler did play pretty well, though. Against a kind of a sneakily good Bears defense, too. Outside of a collapse, they're not gonna, they're not gonna miss the playoffs. No. So you do have a decision coming up. What do you do come playoff time? I think you gotta go with your guy. You gotta go with Peyton Manning. You gotta go with the experience. I don't know. I mean, it depends on how Osweiler looks while he's in there, but I think you ride the hot hand. I mean, you look at what Peyton's done. I mean, even the games where he hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions, he's had a lot of should-be interceptions get dropped. I think whoever's playing the best, you go with that guy. I really do. Yeah, I think you got to go with the experience. It, I don't think that this is as much about diminished skills as it is about the injury. I think this injury is a little bigger deal. In fact, other than 2011 when he missed the season for the spinal fusion surgery, Sunday's game was the first start Manning's missed in his other 17 seasons. I mean, he took the one year off. But I, I, you just don't diminish that quickly. I don't think it's uh, not that fast. I don't think anyone was expecting Peyton Manning of a few years ago. I don't think that's it either. But the reason he came back, I would imagine, is he, he had something to do with the fact that he thought he was even somewhat reduced. Peyton Manning was better than half of what the other teams had. Mm. I'm sure that's what he thought, and I still think that's the case. Like I said, I don't think you go from where he was to where he is that quickly. I think the injury, the injury is doing something to have him looking like Willie Mays stumbling around the mess outfield. Mm-hmm. That's, I, mean, I don't, I don't know if he held on too long. It would seem, like I say, a very accelerated decline. Uh, here's the deal. Whatever the reason, right now Manning wasn't helping his team. Interestingly, his QB rating, 67.6, which is lower than Tim Tebow's of 72.9 back in two th- 2011, which is when John Elway and the Broncos opted to part ways with another rather incredibly popular quarterback. I guess we'll see how it ends, how the season goes, but I I do think with rest, Manning comes back. I think you make one last push for the playoffs, for one last push for a title with him. But either way, sure looks like the ride is over for Manning. Or or is it? Reports this week said that he wants to play another season, even if not with Denver. This is what he told 
his Denver teammates. I mean, no elite athlete wants to end their career with the kind of season Peyton Manning has, but who wants a Joe Namath in a Rams uniform situation? Yeah. Nobody wants to see him carrying a clipboard on the sidelines either. So could he go to another place? I mean, where would he go? A place like the Jets, like Brett Favre did? See, I don't know. I think the teams that are going to have quarterback openings aren't going to be good teams. And I don't think twilight of his career, Peyton Manning, wants to quarterback the Browns or the Rams. You know, I, I, no, I just I don't really see for it. the last year of your career, it's either Denver or nothing. And, and he and Kubiak are not on the same page. I, this is not what the Broncos want. I don't think they want him back. And here's... You know what, I'm just sitting here thinking, this week's game with the Patriots is going to be maybe the deciding factor. Because the Patriots are the team the Broncos are going to have to go through in the playoffs, right? So if Brock Osweiler comes out against the Patriots this week and Bill Belichick thoroughly confuses him and he can't figure it out, then of course he would go with Peyton in the playoffs because he's Peyton. But if, you know, if Brock Osweiler can figure out the Patriots and they can beat the Patriots, which I think they will, I think you roll with them. Yeah, you might be right. Just for clarity, the report of Manning thinking beyond this season originated Sunday night with Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. However, it was refuted Monday by Mike Kliss of Nine News in Denver, who says that Manning was incensed about the idea he would be thinking about doing anything beyond this season. So, Besides selling pizzas. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Mark your calendars. Another Love Fest goodbye tour will be coming to a Major League Baseball stadium near you sometime this season. David Ortiz announced that he will be, this will be his final season as he gets set for retirement. I'm not taking anything away from David Ortiz as a ball player. Certainly he's been a special hitter for the Boston Red Sox. Mm -hmm. My issue has always been how people just continuously give him the free pass as if to just dismiss anything he does as well, that's just lovable old Big Poppy. He has frosted your fanny for years. Oh, my goodness. They forget the failed drug tests in 2003. They forget the temper tantrums and destroyed phones. They forget the personal visits he would make to the official scores booth to intimidate, allegedly, of course, the scorer to give a hit instead of an error. It's just Poppy being and, Poppy. And because it's Boston, they even celebrated his foul language when he took to the microphone at Fenway after the Boston <laughs> Marathon bombing. I mean, yes, I know the emotion and I know the intent behind his dramatic statement, but in my opinion, that just seemed to sum up who David Ortiz is. They, did, they didn't just celebrate that his profanity in that speech they made t-shirts and sold them with it on them he doesn't speak english that well he didn't (laughs) know it was a bad word you have to take him like he is because he's the thing about david he's not changing for you or anybody else no doesn't care what you think because he believes he's more special to you frankly there are times we need to adapt to a particular situation we we need to maybe leave the language the the attitude you leave your potty humor for another time, and that's just not who David Ortiz is. Again, I'm not saying be a hypocrite. I'm just saying there's times where maybe at a microphone at Fenway Park, this isn't a time for your foul language. I was listening to the MLB. I was listening to the MLB channel after the announcement, and to no, to no surprise, the host could not stop falling over himself, mm-hmm. over David Ortiz. I mean, to the point where even Harold Reynolds and Ken Rosenthal sort of kept the balance because while this guy was praising Ortiz, 
they were too. They just weren't as sloppy and over the top about mm-hmm. it. The host said he is a first ballot Hall of Famer and one of baseball's good guys. He should be a Hall of Famer, but not a first ballot. Yeah, I'd slow down on the good guys talk for some of the reasons I already gave you. And I'm not sure about first ballot, but I, I agree, Darren. I think David Ortiz gets into the Hall of Fame. And I agree with Rosenthal that there are two things heavily working against him when it comes to the Hall. While I don't think they will keep him out of the Hall, the writers are going to make him wait. One was the drug test in 2003. Mm -hmm. He always adamantly has denied it. And in fairness, at that time, they were supposed to be random tests, and the names were not supposed to be revealed. And there have always been some questions surrounding the accuracy of that test, though those questions have sort of originated with Ortiz and the Red Sox. The second thing working against him is predominantly a DH. And apart from Frank Thomas, DHs have not been getting the recognition for the Hall of Fame. I mean, until Edgar Martinez, probably the best ever, he's still waiting. Until he gets in, David Ortiz has no place getting in. Thank you. Thank you. I think he does get in, though. And to tell you the truth, I'd vote for him. Not for his ballot. He was pivotal. Pivotal? That's a good word. Pivotal in the Red Sox championships. And he's a oh. gr- he's a great power hitter. Do you? I mean he ought, he excelled in the clutch, and that's what you you like about mm. David Ortiz. He excelled the cl- get in the clutch, especially against the Yankees. I hated seeing him come up to the plate in the early two thousands games in the playoffs against the Yankees because you knew he was going to get a big hit. There's nothing you could do to get him out. Yeah, I, again, I think the fact that he won't be eligible in twenty until twenty twenty two, I think that helps him. By then, I suspect there'll be a softening softening of the voters, don't you think? Yeah, in I think so. In regards to PED And users. some of the logjam of players that deserve to be in that haven't been voted in in the last few years will have been, well, they'll like, be in, so. Like Zach said, too, in the break, yeah, okay, like you, you want to say that Ortiz took steroids? So did the pitchers he was facing. Like, And the, and the writers, I think, are going to start feeling that way in a relatively short amount of time. Now the moment we've all been waiting for. Tom Brady wears Uggs. I have no knowledge of anything. I have no explanation for what happened. The highlight of the show. I'm not going to let our fans down. The reason people tune in week after week. Said no one ever. Darren's unreasonable rant. With Thanksgiving having just passed, I want to take a minute to list some things I'm thankful for. I'm really glad I don't look like the portraits my kids draw of me. Those things are hideous. Facebook. How else would I know my friends are eating healthy, don't believe in vaccinations, and shamrock shakes are bad for me? Jay Cutler, Joe Flacco, Geno Smith, and Mark Sanchez. Because they make whoever is under center for the bills look like a stud. Toilet paper. Imagine a world without it. Kristaps Porzingis. Seriously, dude is a beast. Just put back dunking his way into the hearts of Knicks fans everywhere. Phil Jackson for finding Porzingis. I'm thankful for Adam Levine and Channing Tatum. They're dreamy. And I'm man enough to admit it. I wish I looked like them. So does my wife. Benson's sweater. No matter how lame I get, I'll never be as lame as that thing. I'm thankful for Zach. He's a giant nerd and actually likes doing all the production work. I'm really thankful that my kids haven't figured out I have no idea what I'm doing. The Lakers, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Atlanta Braves. Because no matter how bad my team seasons may be going, at least I'm not a fan of the three I just mentioned. I'm thankful for Ray Rice. No matter how bad I may mess up, at least I've never gone full Ray Rice in an elevator. NFL officiating. I'll never suck at anything as bad as they do when fat people take a tumble. Seriously, tell me that's not hilarious. The Twilight series. I'm glad that's over. Hashtag Team Jacob. And last but not least, hitting the high note flawlessly when I'm jamming out to Michael Buble Christmas music in my car.
Dude. Wow. Did you rip on my sweater and fat people in the same <laughs> segment? <laughs> I was thinking about you both times. I am deeply offended. <laughs> We close each show by going around the room and giving you our Pest of the Week. Darren, let's start with you. Uh, my Pest of the Week is Leotis McKelvin. Five years ago, when someone messed up your front lawn for fumbling the ball and losing the game to the Patriots in the same stadium in the same end of the field, I was mad at you, but I was against the people messing up your front lawn. This time, I want to join them. Leotis McKelvin, you're my Pest of the Week. My Pest of the Week is the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the list they released Tuesday of its 25 modern-era semifinalists for induction into the class of 2016. I realize it's only the semifinalists at this point, and then it's going to get cut down. But this is why the Baseball Hall of Fame is the most credible to me. They don't, get, they don't let in classes of dozens or, or so of people who had careers that were nothing more than really good. I mean, baseball seems to me, and maybe it's my imagination, but you need to have a Hall of Fame career to get in. Mm-hmm. Football lets in a lot of guys. Basketball, they let in a lot of guys. You look down this list. I mean, come on, check out some of the names on this list. Guys like Marvin Harrison, a really nice career. A Hall of Fame career, the best of the best. I don't know. Ty Law. Kevin Green. Kevin Green has been on this semifinal list ten times. I mean, at some point... Yeah, at this point, he's not getting in. You're not getting in, and you don't belong in. I'm not taking anything away. Roger Craig, running back with the San Francisco 49ers, year with the Raiders, uh, year or two with the Vikings. Nice career. A semifinalist eight times, but it's not. you're not a Hall of Famer. My pest of the week is a pro football Hall of Fame. It's not just another pat on the back. It's the Hall of Fame. My pest of the week is also from the NFL. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Reports surfaced this week that they were finally starting to lose patience with Greg Hardy, but it's not for domestic violence or for making comments uh, about other people's wives or even for blowing up and slapping the clipboard away from a coach on the sideline. It's for being late to practice. And I'm sorry, Cowboys and Jerry Jones, to be okay with those things, but to be upset with him for being late to practice shows your priorities are not what they should be. It probably also shows they're reaching the end of their rope with this cat. I hope so. Thanks for being with us this week on Beyond the Game. Let us hear from you at BTG Program on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Beyond the Game's been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, or give them a call. 585-426-5024. Tell him Benson sent you. As always, thanks for listening to Beyond the Game.